Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 337. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent Am. I'm Tucker Marcus. Yeah, and we're joined by... Jamie Frevely. Yeah! Wait, you're saying, who in the flippity... Flup is Jamie Frevely. I was the mysterious entity breathing in the background last time. Yeah, like heavy, <laughs> gross, weird ASMR breathing. I'm really <laughs> into scary stuff, true crime, murder. So I wanted to make my presence known. I wanted my first impression to be genuine. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm new here. I started just a couple of weeks ago. Before this, I was a blogger for places like the Mary Sue, Boing Boing, Sci-Fi Wire, very into the Marvel Universe. My gateway was the movies, I'll admit it, but the comics were always there and I wanted to get into them, but Anal Retentive Me has to start from the very beginning and that's hard. So I learned eventually to just jump in and that's what I've been doing. I jumped in, you know, when I was a kid. And had to go back. And I think that's okay. That's kind of the fun of it, though. The discovery and going back and finding, oh, wow, have you ever read this run? And then someone's like, yeah, of course I've read that run. And you're like, oh, cool. Cool, 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 cool. What else should I read? And then you go on. The next thing you know, you're down all these rabbit holes and you've read decades of stuff and you're in and there's no coming back. Yeah, you're doing great. Tucker's never actually read a comic book. So we're you're, (laughs) you're ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. That um, in front of you is a comic book, Tucker. I'm reading uh, the ad. The <laughs> I don't know if that counts. <laughs> but, Jamie, it's officially uh, something we want to say. You're yeah, the co-host now on, I am. on This Week in Marvel. It's very exciting, but it's not your only job here. That's right. I'm also the editor of Marvel.com. We're going through a lot of changes, and we're trying to do things for every imaginable Marvel fan. Look forward to a lot of cool stuff happening on Marvel.com. Yeah. You'll be putting your fingerprints all over stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be filthy. The, yep. It's going to be filthy. dirty and gross and, and very exciting. Um, Bring your Purell. <laughs> probably need something a little bit stronger. As as many of you will, will have asked. Well, actually, some I saw some tweets come in um, when we've been talking, teasing your arrival. No, uh, no. <laughs> what happens to Tucker now? Well... Nothing. I mean, he's still his job is is assistant editor right now on Marvel.com. So he's still going to be doing his job. That's right. Pretty heavily. And actually, this is probably helpful in letting him devote more time to the thing that probably <laughs> requires his attention more. But Tucker and I will still be doing Marvel's The Pull List together. So Tucker, I am sorry, not sorry. You're still going to be reading every single book every week yep. and uh, spending an hour with me talking about them. Uh, so we're just going to have a lot more stuff. It's going to be great. And then, like, I'm going on vacation in two weeks, so it's the two of you without oh, yeah. my <laughs> guidance here. Oh, yeah. uh, so Please I expect- don't listen to that one. Yeah, no. Uh, I expect- stay away for your own health, for your own safety, your own peace of mind. It's just going to be on fire. Just pretend it doesn't we exist. We are just going to talk about dogs the whole time. I love dogs. I dogs had two are- dogs growing up. Yeah, uh, dog the, the bounty hunter? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That dog, see, my dog has the same hair color as Dog the Bounty Hunter, but she is a perfect, beautiful angel dingo. You guys are going to get very familiar with her. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. But we got some breaking news, y'all. We got some big stuff here. We are part of an announcement for a new project, and we have the writer for the project here on the show. It's Mr. Matthew Rosenberg and evil producer Brandon. Let's just dive into it. Let's go into the interview and see what's going on. Matthew Rosenberg, you're in the house. What's up? Uh, nothing. I'm in the house. Yeah. It's nice to be here. <laughs> it is nice to have you. Once again, this is big. We've got an announcement that we want to make. 
with you. You have a new project at Marvel. I do. Tell uh, us what it is. What are you floor, working on? Have your moment. Astonishing X Men. Yeah. Wow. Fwee, fwee, fwee. Mm-hmm. I thought there'd be fireworks, but oh. we'll add that in They'll post. They'll put it in post. Post, yep. do it in post. Uh, yes, me and Greg Land are taking over Astonishing X Men. Uh, Charles Soule's run ends at 12, and issue 13 is me and Greg, an all new team, an all new threat, an all new story, and uh, it's going to be cool. Yeah. This is big news. I know how much of a, an X-Men fan you are. Yes. Huge X-Men fan. Huge. And as part of this announcement, I wanted to do a little bit of a celebration. Uh-oh. I also know that you love you some chocolate milk. I do. I so do. I had evil producer Brandon bring in some fresh, Ooh. freshly milked chocolate milk drink. This was really freshly milked. That's yeah. nice. It's going to be cow temperature. Came yep. from a chocolate cow. During this interview, we'll all be enjoying... Some sweet, sweet Matthew <laughs> Rosenberg style chocolate milk. I like, I like this. I like yeah. this. This is why isn't this always the case? I'm serious. Now it's always going to be okay. whenever you come Fair on, enough. you get chocolate milk. That's in your contract. Fair enough. Great. Mine uh, is almond. Does that still count? No, you're in. It's oh, fine. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Oh, we're doing cheers. I wasn't going to be that polite. Cheers to you. I don't think we're going to reach Matthew. Let's not risk it's it. So close. Oh, we did it. We did it. And to Greg and to the team. Um, the editors who Darren. Darren Shan. Darren Shan. My lovely editor. Who's the team? You've got a brand new team. Okay, yeah, it's a brand new team. Uh, the idea for this team is it's a it's a bunch of X Men who haven't been in the limelight recently. It's a bunch of my favorite X Men who are some of them have been going through some stuff, having some rough times. Some of them are falling out with the X Men. Some of them just have uh, taken a step away. There are two leaders. They are Beast mm. and Havoc. Mm-hmm. Dun dun dun! Yes. All right, we're gonna have to talk about Havoc, but continue on. Ha- Havoc, my favorite X Man. And then it is the wonderful Dazzler, Warpath, Colossus. I am super jazzed about this team because I love Dazzler. Yes. Super hardcore love Dazzler. Love Dazzler. One of my favorite X Men. And Warpath, especially over the Ed Brubaker, mm-hmm. his run really made me appreciate Warpath in a way that I liked him in X Force back in the day. Yeah. But I was like, oh yeah, this guy is. Awesome. Yeah, uh, Brubaker and Remender, both of their times with Warpath were like, I think, really stepped up the character in a, in a cool way. He's in a he's in a weird role in the book because he is not exactly on the same page as some of the other team. That's sort of all I can say about that. But Warpath maybe is the one who doesn't fit in quite as much. Mm. Uh, the way I described it was Havoc is our Captain Kirk. He's impulsive and crazy. That's Star Trek, if you don't know. And I'm then, a. Is that like Chewbacca? It's Chewbacca. How no, dare he's, you? He's, yeah, he's a Chewbacca. Uh huh. And then Beast is uh, our Spock, who's also Chewbacca. So we have a two Chewbacca show. I love Chewbacca. Yeah. I'm really excited for this yeah. Chewbacca's book. In my mind, my everyone in Star is Trek breaking. is Chewbacca. Yeah, it's all Chewbacca's. It's a team of Chewbacca's. <laughs> Honestly? Awesome. That's yeah. like the best possible pitch for something. I like it. Uh, so the rest are Tribbles. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Smaller Chewbacca's. Okay. <laughs> like, like Ewoks. Yes. Okay, great. I am going to die. This is yeah. perfect. I know this exactly is, what button to push. This is also <laughs> my pitch for a Star Wars book that will never happen. <laughs> it's like a team of Chewbacca's. <laughs> Beast. Talking about Beast as a leader is really exciting to me because that's, I don't know that Beast has had many of those true leadership roles. Like he'll step up here and there, but. No, they're few and far between and they're not really with the X-Men when they are there. What we're going for is that's part of the idea is that Beast feels sort of resented. He feels like he doesn't agree. He's been the number two to a lot of people who've taken the X-Men in a lot of different directions. And it's not 
a shot at Scott or Kitty or Magneto or Xavier or anything. It's just he's the smartest X-Man. He's the smartest guy in the room. And he's watched this team shift and change under different leadership. And there hasn't been a lot of, what should we do, Hank? And so this Havoc comes to him with a, how do we do this? And that sort of sells him a little bit on the idea that like this could be something different. And I think it is. It feels, I love blue and gold and, and red and all the X books right now, New Mutants especially. We really wanted to make a book that feels different. I think the X-Men work best when it's a buffet of different sort of ideas with the same core ingredients. And so that's what we're trying to do is make a book that feels quintessentially X-Men, but feels different than every other X book out right now. I, I was going to make a Spock joke, but the time has passed. I Havoc is a really also obviously being a, a sort of leader for the team as well, but he's in such a weird place in the last couple yes. of years. Yeah. Havoc, as I said earlier, is my favorite X-Men. It's a toss-up between him and Magic always. I think it's because I'm a little brother. I was just going to say, is it something to do with siblings? I mean, I think they're cut from the same sort of mold of being the like, they're the more powerful, but they're younger and more impulsive and a little more reckless. And people don't take them as seriously because of age. And I think that's an important trope to the X-Men. And they embody that in a way. And also, I'm a little brother. And my brother is um, much uh, smarter and more respected than me, but I'm much more powerful than he is. So I so I relate to that. But yeah, I, I've always loved Havoc, and he is he turned to a villain in Axis, which I looked to the sky and screamed no, and that didn't fix it. He stayed a villain for a while, and now he's back on the good path. And this is him trying to redeem himself in a major way, trying to take back not just his own legacy, but the X-Men. He thinks the X-Men have gone off the rails and he wants this to be how the X-Men are great again. Actually, something we're really trying to do is in the original Astonishing X-Men and Joss Whedon and John Cassidy's run, that's something Cyclops wants to do. Cyclops says, we've sort of lost our way after new X-Men and he says, you know, let's let, it's time to astonish. And that's what Havoc wants to do, except Cyclops is a planner and a leader and a strategist master strategist and havoc is a guy who is just blunt force and so he is trying the same thing he is trying to once again make the x-men the heroes they need to be and astonish but without a lot of the planning and so he needs beast for that i think one of the things i've always loved about havoc is just visually how cool he can look yeah he's a. Uh... You know, when we started the book, the first thing I said is like a couple people are going back to very classic looks like I want Dazzler in the blue. It's updated a little. Greg updated it in a cool way, but it's the blue with the jacket, which I love. And Havoc, I was like original uniform. We can update a little bit, but original look. And everyone else is kind of they can do it. They can wear whatever they want. <laughs> But those two were really important to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Dazzler, that look is so good. It feels so right and so iconic. Yeah. For me, a big thing when I was a, a little kid in the Claremont run, there's like during like the Outback stuff and around that time, they're terrifying. They're just a badass, scary group of people. And it's just like Storm looks so awesome with her mohawk and Colossus is just huge and all of them. And Dazzler is just in that group and she sort of stands out. But like to me, the association is always there that like this is the most badass Dazzler. And I, I love Dazzler's amazing because she's constantly being redesigned and constantly being reworked, which makes sense because she's a pop star and they're constantly reinventing themselves. But they also go back and do those reunion tours. And, you know, you'll see people touch on their history. And this is Dazzler 
being like, okay, we're taking it back to like what the X-Men should be. I know what to wear and goes to her closet and gets the right outfit for the job. And so that was important to me that like there are certain nods back to the history of the X-Men that I, that I like to make while we take it forward. I like to push it forward while looking backwards, which is not safe if you're driving a vehicle, <laughs> but if you're writing comics, it's okay. Yeah. I love like everything we're talking about here goes back to that run in Australia. Uh, and this is like the fourth time it's come up in conversations I've had over the last couple of days, like talking about that Outback run and the Siege Perilous and Dallas and oh, how yeah. they couldn't be photographed. Yeah, that era to me, I mean, it, it's a special place in my childhood because I was reading stuff before then. I remember I learned to read by stealing my um, less powerful older brother's X-Men books. And that's how I was taught myself to read. And the, the comics I was stealing were actually the Dark Phoenix stuff. And I remember sounding things out and trying to figure out what was going on. And then later going back to it and being like, oh, I still don't fully understand like the scope of this and the scale. But it was those, it's the Outback stuff. Mutant Massacre, books like that, all the Genosha stuff after that, that really to me was like, you're just lost in that world. Like those characters and their, who they are. I mean, I, I like my X-Men to be scary. I understand it's sort of hard to comprehend when, when you have a Hulk and a, a Thor and all these magical characters who are walking among us and it's intimidating, but the, there's something about the X-Men that it's like, well, they're good guys, but but you don't want to be on the subway when they get on the subway. Like they're, they're the they're, warriors. Yeah, they're the warriors. They're hmm. they're they're out for the right cause, but but you're still scared of them. And and that's how I like my X Men to be. So, hearkening uh, back to some of that stuff when Chris Claremont and all those guys really nailed that. I think I love that. That makes me super even more excited. Uh, I want to round out the team and talk a little bit about Colossus. To me, like there's a lot of bruisers on the X Men, a lot of tanks. Colossus is the tank he's the big heavy and i think the interaction between colossus and havoc is one of my favorite things that i've ever written i think it's really a a great moment seeing them so yeah i think their their relationship in the book is really something that i'm excited about one of the things i love i'm sure you love as well about the x-men is they're a family like, yeah they're a like, massive family they're, but they're a family yeah, so an and, enormous and, dysfunctional family yeah and as a family they've lost one of their members in Scott Summers and yeah. you know like you've got this connection to him and the, there's trouble and you want to help him like there's so many emotions that like I can already feel coming out of this team in particular sure yeah I mean I think the bottom line is we didn't get to see a lot of people grieve Cyclops and Havoc we did but he was a villain and it's from a different place and this is about his legacy and him but it's also about the X-Men and, and his brother and his family and even when they're bad ideas, sometimes people will be like, you know what? Like, my friend needs this. Even if it's a bad idea, I'm going to go along with him. Not that this is a bad idea necessarily, <laughs> but they'll follow him because they care about him. It's a lot of unconditional love happening. Yeah. And I will say there are some other X-Men in the book. Like oh, a family. Really? They uh, they don't maybe see eye to eye. Mm. Um, but with every great team of X-Men, they need a great villain a force to go up against. Yes. And again, going back to the Outback, you're pulling in some really great stuff, which thinking about character designs and cool things to see, you've got the Reavers. The Reavers, yeah. The Reavers to me were terrifying when I was a kid. 100%. And, and I think now in the 21st century, like there's a way to do them where we want to keep the classic Reavers, Pierce and Bonebreaker and all those guys, but they're updating. The Reavers have a lot of question marks around them. There's a lot of, 
Why are they doing things? What are they about? Why is there one guy with tank tread for a bottom half of his body? Yeah. But no one else. I don't don't think there was anyone else. No, they definitely can make robot legs. But he was like, I don't feel like robot legs. Um, But think about it. Like if you had the choice. No, the tank tread's awesome. And you go, you know what? I know what I'm doing. The real question is, why is there a guy with robot legs? He should have. (laughs) Why don't they all have tank treads? Um, The idea for me was just that the X-Men are about their evolution. They're the next evolutionary step of humanity. And the Reavers don't agree. Reavers think that technology is the next, like, human engineering. And that's what they're about. And so they're messing with themselves and they come into contact with the X-Men because there is, well, I can't talk about it too much, but there's a bigger thing at play which is going to pit them against each other in a big way. And it's really, in some ways, the fate of the world is like, is technology going to kill us? Are we going to evolve to not need the technology? Things like that. It's called metaphors. I try to mm. weave those in. Mm. Um, I mean, have the Reavers heard about what's happening with self-driving cars lately? Or be, I like to think the Reavers sort of are self-driving cars in a way. I can see where this is going. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really the, the whole book's really about self-driving cars at the end <laughs> of the day. I knew it. Jamie, if you had the choice, tank treads or robot legs? Well, what if I could make the robot legs turn into tank treads? Well, you're going into Transformers level yeah. territory. Which I, don't, I, I, don't... I like. I like Transformers. Fine. I mean, can but but can a girl dream, Ryan? I'm just gonna drink this chocolate milk. You this drink chocolate that chocolate milk. milk. See, what I'm thinking this about so is sick. what happens when a glitch happens with the Reavers' technology, and something dies. I mean, can a really strong X-Man pick one up and just throw that cyborg at somebody, kind of like the Punisher did with the tank? Um, Colossus is on our team. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and he likes throwing things, so, so that might happen. The Reavers might want to be aware of this. Yeah, they're going to bring guns and big robot body parts to sort of counteract this, and we'll see who wins. So just Reavers, make sure before you leave the house, make sure your software is updated. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to have to reboot. Yeah. Turn it on, turn it off. Turn it on, turn it yeah. off. Yeah. That's, that's what, how you fix any problem. That's when yeah. you kill a reaver, they just do that and he gets <laughs> back up. That's a good joke. If that ends up in the book, you have to take this out of the podcast. <laughs> no, then you just have to give me a big thanks at the there end. There you go. That's great. Yeah. Um, you have so many books right now. I was Jamie and I were talking earlier today because I I loved Kingpin. I thought that was Thank you. But you've got Multiple Man, which is yes. on coming as well. And we had that on display. That's C2E2. It was on oh, cool. the big artboard of it that looked really beautiful I didn't see that. That's um, awesome. on one of the walls of the booth. So what's that about? Multiple Man is about your weird friend's favorite X-Man, Jamie Madrox. Uh, he died. And this book is about uh, he didn't die. Um, <laughs> that was my big pitch. It was like, what is he? if that didn't happen? Um, I mean, it definitely happened, but he's back and now he's dying and is his attempt to save himself going to be worse than just dying? And it's really weird and insane. It's sort of hard to talk about because it is, um, I was working on it all night one night and at four in the morning, my girlfriend woke up and got out of bed and she was like, you're just talking to yourself out loud, like pacing around talking. And I was like, I cannot figure out what is happening in my book. Like it's spun out of control. And I just had like charts up and like post-it notes on things. And she was like, okay, you're okay? And I was like, I'm okay. And she went back to bed. And the next day I was like, yeah, no, that didn't help at all. (laughs) That didn't get me anywhere. This is sort of about hapless Jamie getting caught up in the Jamie-ness of it all. It's beautiful. Annie McDonald is drawing it. Marcos Martin on covers. It's a crazy book and he's fully embracing the crazy of that, which is, is really fun. 
Is it really intimidating to write for your favorite characters? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. That has to be really daunting. It's, it's terrifying every single day. Uh, <laughs> I say, you know, That's like, a great way to live. I live under a cloud of fear. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I joke about it sometimes that like people are like, oh, some of these fans, like X-Men fans are so intense. They're so passionate. And people are like, you know, say like, is that difficult? And I was like, no, because I'm, I'm that intense and passionate. Yeah. And so like, I totally understand. Like I, you know, when I did Phoenix Resurrection, I got 600 notes being like, don't mess this up. And I was like, no one's yelling that louder than me, dude. Like, I get it. Yeah, it's intimidating. I mean, it's like a huge honor. It is one of those things that like, all of this to me is still, I have to all the time be like, you're not, you're not a fan solely anymore. Like at the Marvel Creative Summit's, like I sit there and and these writers who made me want to write comics and and like I I worship their runs, you know, Jason Aaron sits down and talks about the Avengers and he finishes and I'm just like that was the greatest thing ever and then I'm like oh I'm supposed to say things and have critiques and I just want to read it and just be like, you know, I do a lot of like I wish I didn't have to hear what was happening in, you know, Captain America so that I could read it. Yeah. You know, now not only are you writing for the characters that you love and contributing to their story, but you're also getting all the other characters yeah. that you love and their stories spoiled for you yeah. months and months ahead of time. The, what was the how did that feel at first? Um I spent a good couple months being like, Oh, I don't want to know that. I wanted to see that. I wanted to just turn the page and see that reveal. What I found that's fun is that like the books are so good right now and everyone is kicking so much butt that like even knowing what's gonna happen with books being spoiled, like I still am like so excited to see how they handle it, how it plays out. It just has shifted a little bit. You know, people go see Macbeth. They know how Macbeth is going to end. I mean, most of them, some of them. A lot of people who go see Macbeth have... Like, did you did you see what happened? Whoa, that was Holy crazy. Cow. The cliff notes, they really blew my mind. They, yeah. <laughs> and then you still maybe go see it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's the journey there. Yeah. That's really the the thing that you go for and you could learn a fact but there's no context to it so yeah. you could learn a huge spoiler but how did that happen is yeah. really what's going to be the big surprise yeah everything is spoiled but spoilers are not execution and so it's really fun and i mean i feel lucky every day to have this job and i really do i i um last thanksgiving i was up at my parents house and i you know helped my mom make some food or whatever and such a good boy well it's just mashed potatoes that's really all. anything such a good anything beyond mashed potatoes i'm gonna mess up and she hey, don't, don't sell yourself short mashed potatoes are you, you can know, screw those up yeah, really you know lumpy? Use, everybody hates you. i like oh, i use lumpy, the ricer but... i put the potatoes oh. in the ricer so they're just so smooth yeah. like like basically like the chocolate milk version of mashed potatoes just oh, so wow. rich and thick creamy. and smooth thick and smooth mm. you know i'm gonna post that recipe yeah right? there you go the ricer yeah, yeah. Thick and smooth. Add chocolate powder. Um, don't add chocolate powder. Matt kidding. Rosenberg's thick and smooth, Movement. creamy mashed. Chocolate mashed potatoes. I've never done that. It seems like something I would do. I'm sure you guys will edit it to make it seem like I do that. And I'm a monster, but Definitely. I have not done that. Um, we should get you on Eat the Universe, the yeah. new cooking show, and just do some chocolate mashed potatoes. You didn't want this to happen, but we're going to make it make happen it, for and you. I have to eat them. It's just Aww. 20 minutes of me being like, this was a bad idea. Um, no, but I was up in my parents' house, and I was, I was helping cook and then I had to duck out and do some work and then you know my mom got dinner ready and my whole family got dinner ready and I was working and then we came out and we ate and at the end of the night my brother was like oh I'm gonna go watch a movie and my mom was like oh, I'm gonna go do this and my dad was gonna go do something I don't know everyone goes their separate ways I guess I don't know uh sad family stuff not really but my I said oh I'm gonna I have to go get back to work and my mom was like it's 10 o'clock at night on Thanksgiving and she was really sad and I was like 
there's nothing I want to be doing other than my job. Like that's I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah, I would. Yeah, come on, mom. That was like, that was work. Um, <laughs> no, I. But you know, I was so excited to get back to it, and that's how I wake up every day. And like you know, I was just in Dallas over the weekend, and you know, writing in my hotel room, and and it was awesome. It's so fun. It's so fun to live in this world and get to play with my favorite characters in all of history. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Matt, you're the best. Thank you. Enjoy your chocolate milk. Thanks for coming on. Check out everything that Matthew has on Marvel Unlimited. There's so many great books. We didn't talk about Rocket Raccoon, Phoenix Resurrection, tons more, Kingpin, all those books. Really Secret good. Warriors. I wrote Secret, Secret Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Secret Warriors. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll be back. Lots okay. more to talk about soon. This is Marvel. Okay, so I was at C2E2 last weekend uh, in Chicago. It was a great time. How was the pizza? I don't know. I didn't have any pizza. I had some casserole. It was a large, deep dish. They called it pizza, but you know, they, there was no indication that it was. Um, it was really good. Hung out with a lot of our writers and artists. Met some amazing fans. Um, I, we shot a bunch of stuff that is in this week's episode of Earth's Mightiest Show with Lorraine Sink, um, including some fans, these twins. They must have been like 13 or 14 years Aww. old, and they drew pictures of Lorraine and I and their favorite character, Guillotine for us, Lockjaw, and it was so cute. They have watched all the shows that Lorraine and I have been on, uh, so we included them in, in the show. I talked to a mom who brought her two daughters, and this was their first comic convention ever, and they were so excited. They were just, you know, I was sitting at a table doing some work, and they, they asked me some questions. And it was just like the happiest I could ever be talking to them and getting them excited. And they were so thrilled. Uh, we had panels there. We announced Eat the Universe, which is a brand new show hosted by my friend and chef Justin Warner. It's a cooking and Marvel. It's really fun. He brings in guests. The first episode is live now with Gene Gray and John Hodgman, which is so fun. They are terrific. Uh, we also talked a little bit about Marvel's Voices, Women of Marvel, Earth's Mightiest Show, uh, as well as uh, Wolverine The Long Night, which is available now on Stitcher Premium. You can go to wolverinepodcast.com, use code MARVEL, you get yourself a free month. And if you do it now, you get the whole series. Boom. Within your free month, you can listen to all 10 episodes. We actually had Ben and Brendan, the uh, writer and director of the show, on the panel, had a lot of fun. Fans were super into it because we got to play clips from the show. We played a clip from episode four and a mm -hmm. clip from episode six. Episode six, which is out this week, brand new, uh, was really cool. People were digging it, especially because Logan gets into a tussle. In oh, my episode. goodness. Yeah. and uh, He's always doing that, though. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because they were we were hearing it in this giant auditorium, and... Ben and Brendan were both like, this is not how you're supposed to listen to it. You need to put it on headphones, yeah, which yeah. is true. You really should listen to it with headphones because it's got this cool directional audio thing going on. Mm -hmm. You can hear things behind you and above you and, and around you. It's it's super neat. So, again, that's WolverinePodcast.com, and you can use the promo code MARVEL to get a month of Stitcher Premium for free. Uh, we it also sounds like of, it was a blast. It was. Lots of great panels. It was a super fun C2E2. Uh, a lot of stuff that was really important for us, so I'm excited. Excited for it. And thank you for everybody I saw there, a lot of our listeners. I gave out pins and stickers to a bunch of our listeners and fans. Uh, we still have some more, so we'll be bringing those to events over the next couple months. Uh, last week, I, I gave the weird food. It was crinkly quackenbush because of C2E2 and a little bit of the, the craziness of my travel. I couldn't really get to everybody, so I'm going to extend the crinkly quackenbush for a week. You've got another week. That's and great because that'll give me more time to learn 
what that is. I don't know what it is. Uh, Dan Slott explained it's some sort of dessert thing. Uh, Gail Simone will be on the show next week. She's coming into the office real soon. I'm just excited because she's great. And we have the brand new Domino book, which we will be talking about very shortly. Yeah, we will. Uh, we're also now on Stitcher. You can listen to us there as well. Uh, just search for This Week at Marvel. It'll be up there. Thank you for those who've asked about it. One last thing. Shout out to my friend Johnny Gargano, NXT wrestler and uh, WWE superstar for having one of the best matches of the year, hands down at NXT TakeOver New Orleans, but also rocking some really cool Thor-inspired gear. He posted the design on Twitter, and it's just the best. I love seeing um, our Marvel people doing cool things. You know what we can talk about? The new books this week, our favorite titles. We're going to dig into them. If you want to learn about all the new titles out this week from Marvel, digital, print, Single issues, collections, you can listen to Marvel's The Pullist, full episode where Tucker and I dive in. It was really good. A lot of good books this week. Uh, we have four. We're doing a special four choices this week. I think I'm going to go up first with one of my picks, which is Captain America number 700. And it is it is a beauty, and mm-hmm. it is a beast. It is a very large issue because it's the end of a seminal run. Mark Wade and Chris Somney, Matt Wilson, Joe Caramagna, this team is wrapping up in this issue. And it's this future story where Cap has been, you know, a man out of time, and it's sort of the not-too-distant future. What was it, like 30 years or so, 20 years? Right. America's pretty much destroyed, and there's mutant people, and there's, look, there's a dog person. He's got a shirt that says good boy on the cover. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Big action in this one. Captain America is essentially running the country. Uh, And that sounds great, right? But no... It's a country that's divided. They're being like invaded by different countries who see a power vacuum. And so Cap has to battle the forces that he's, you know, trying to vanquish that it, within the country and then those without. So it's a constant struggle. And you can see it weighing on Cap. Chris Somne and Matt Wilson do such a great job of showing you the sense of of how weighty this whole thing is on Cap. There's a panel that I'm looking at where he's just like hunched over and he's in shadow and he's just like down and it's, you know, he's looking at one of these evil guys and he's so frustrated. Uh, At the same time, Cap is arguing with Bruce Banner and uh, one of the other citizens there, one of the people is like lieutenants in his army. They're like, Cap, we got to send you back. You got to go back in time and fix all this. And he's like, no. That's not going to work. What happens if we're wrong? If I go to the wrong... Something could happen. And then that leaves you, this reality, and you people in an even worse state. I can't do that. It's Cap being so responsible. So we actually get a year of Cap's life as he is trying to be this leader to this country and going through all these things. And then it has this huge moment where something goes so incredibly wrong. And there's this giant explosion and had, uh, as I talked about on the pull list, one of my favorite panels is Cap reacting to a giant explosion and the destruction of part of America. That's the moment where she's just like, we're so far gone. What if going back can save it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of hemming and hawing. And then this two page spread, which, Tucker, you really spoke effusively about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, something that uh, I just find myself thinking uh you know reading through every book every week is like one there are many things that so many great books have in common but one thing that a few great great 
great Marvel comics have in common is Matt Wilson. And the colors on these few pages here are just incredible. I mean, obviously, he's working so closely and so beautifully with Chris Somne as well to tell the story as Cap is kind of pulled through time and space. And it's just illustrated so beautifully. And you just feel the weight and the movement of everything as Cap goes back in time here. And yeah, like I said, the colors throughout this entire issue are so incredible. But uh, these few pages are big standouts. Yeah, this time travel, it's like over a dozen panels, all of them silent aside from the last one as Cap like shunts back into mm-hmm. whatever reality he goes into. And there's this beautiful the greens and the blues, the fading imagery, it's just this, it's a wash of emotion mm-hmm. and color. Uh, it's, it's stellar stuff from Matt, as always. But the big turning point pages here for Cap and this mission that he's on have this sort of Iron Giant feel. I love the Iron Giant. That's like one of my all-time favorite movies. And Cap is here and he's, they were hoping to get him to a certain point and he's not there. He's working really hard. There's a clock ticking down, all this stuff going on. And you get these like couple of pages where you've got Cap talking about hope and talking about sacrifice and talking about friggin' Captain Americans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's really good. I think of uh, when Iron Giant closes his eyes and he saves the day, and like that moment, it's so powerful. There's that kind of moment in this issue, and it's so affecting and so wonderful. Uh, it's a wrap-up to that story. Great little nod to sort of bring us full circle. And then there's a backup story that has Jack Kirby art. Matt Wilson does the colors. Mark Wade does the scripting. And you said uh, Mark Wade did some really cool stuff, right? Yeah, it's pretty insane the amount of work that went into this story here for this special issue. We have an interview on Marvel.com right now where uh, assistant editor of the book, Alana Smith, and Mark himself discuss the process for putting this all together. But essentially what they did is they didn't want to just repurpose an old story in the back of the issue. That didn't feel special enough for a huge issue like this. So... Mark Wade went back. He found uh, an old Jack Kirby story. He literally printed out the story, cut around the images, pasted them into new panels. And just thinking about all the work that goes into that, where you have to avoid, you know, the captions and, and the titles and, and like making sure that the action and the story all fits into a new story that is written by Mark Wade. It's insane. If you check out that interview on Marvel.com, he gives a step one through nine process about how he went about doing it with a few pictures in there as well. Uh, it's so interesting and it's such a huge, insane effort. Uh, and it really pays off. It's a great, great story. Heck yeah. Love this book. Uh, my pick this week is Domino Number 1. It's written by Gail Simone with art by the incredible David Baldeon, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Something that I see often on social media, online, things like that. People tweet at Marvel artists a lot. They tweet at Marvel creators. They tweet at editors or people like C.B. Sobolski, people downstairs in publishing. And they ask... As an aspiring artist, what can I do to make myself stand out? What can I do to get in the game, essentially? And David Baldion's art is like an issue with his illustrations is one of the first things that I would recommend to someone like that because at the end of the day, it is so uniquely him. Uh, His art is so specific. He has such a specific take on everything from landscapes to backgrounds to faces specifically. I've described it in the past as this kind of awesome like melty candle style, which I love so much. But this issue as a whole, I loved so, so much. I thought it was such a perfect 
intro to the character. Ryan, you and I spoke about this on Marvel's The Pull List this week, where you said that Domino has never really been the in the spotlight too much. She's always kind of been a great team player, a great ancillary character in so many other books, most recently in Weapon X, where she was so good. And it's so awesome to see her character so, I think, perfectly positioned with this first story because it does a great job of introducing the character, introducing her supporting characters, and giving a good picture of just who she is, not just when she's superheroing, not just when she's being a mercenary, but who she is when she's just alone. And I think the first couple of pages do such a perfect job of that. We open up this book and we have an adorable one full page of just this tiny little little pup. It is ridiculous. Um, yeah, uh, just staring up with uh, the words, it won't work, you know. Uh, and it's essentially Nina Thurman having a conversation with this little dog that she was given and saying, you know, I'm going to send you back to the pound. But his just insane cuteness makes her like, okay, we'll go on a trial basis anyway. Uh, we leap immediately to her first bit of mercenary business where she teams up with Outlaw, who is one of the great supporting characters introduced in this story. Such a great dynamic between them. They're in the Pacific Northwest, and it's really hilarious because it's just rainy and muddy. They're going after some timber pirates, which I've never seen any story about comic book or otherwise so i love that uh it's so weird and different i read a story uh, about it in wired <laughs> just saying uh there's some crazy werewolfy monstrous action going on in an attempt to kill domino herself there's a great little bit where uh one of the bad guys asks her to reach into his shirt pocket and she pulls out a broken domino in two pieces and i just think that's a great little visual there uh and then the other of the trio of this triumvirate of mercenaries here diamondback shows up she basically doesn't participate at all and it's really funny but like you said there's some great cameos in here dazzler does a performance which is great and she's Deadpool. in bowie mode yeah yeah and all i could think about and i'm probably going to show my age was gem she's so outrageous she's truly 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 outrageous yeah uh and then as we turn to the last few pages of the book Domino gets a couple of surprise visitors. Topaz is the big villain in this story. She shows up and sends things kind of spinning off in a crazy direction right at the end. Just an ideal first issue. Jamie. Okay. First episode. First pick. This is it. Okay. So my pick of the week is Doctor Strange number 388. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of Doctor Strange talking to his dog. (laughs) <laughs> who can talk back. And this is something I think every pet parent, and yeah. I'll, I'll say pet parent. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, so we th- want that. <laughs> the thing that kills me is the left page over here. Yeah. Um, that middle panel is something that I it devastated me. And yeah. Bats is like, my best friend, my owner and best friend of 16 years died, and I was left in a shelter. And then I went to two homes or whatever. Like, he goes through this thing, and I was sent to a, a, this jerk vet and all this other stuff. Maybe you experience this too. Is like when I travel, when I leave, I worry about what happens if I die because of what could happen to my pets and like who takes care of them if, if something goes wrong. Yeah, it is a devastating thing to think about and to think that we we don't have that much time with these dogs either. So, But a lot of rescue dogs do go through very traumatic things and all we can do is the best we can do for them. But, you know, we still every once in a while get a little upset at our pets and then we feel 
incredibly guilty, which is also illustrated on these pages. Oh, yeah. You can't help it because they just look at you. Yeah. But in this case, bats can say it, and he says it. Yeah. I came home to one of my cats eating someone else's vomit yesterday. So oh. that was that was like, you know, like, Maybelline, stop that. That's so Stop cute. it. I'm trying to take off my coat to stop this. Oh. And mm. she just looked at me like, but I want to eat it. I'm hungry. It's dinner time. Wait, you said someone else's vomit. Did someone break into your home and puke on the floor and I, then just the leave? The cats are people. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I see. It was a, fa- it was okay. a phantom vomitor. Yeah. <laughs> The Phantom Vomit. Check it out. In theaters. Yeah, no, it was it was funny. Earlier, Daniel Day Lewis's greatest role. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. Earlier this me? year, earlier this year, my dog had a stomach virus and Aww. had accidents in the house, and yep. I realized this was my test as a hopefully a future parent of humans. But I didn't get mad at my dog, despite it being one of the most disgusting things <laughs> I've ever seen. My kitchen looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. It was <laughs> awful, but uh, it's it's groovy, and I can't wait to see how this turns out. And I can't wait to see more of Bats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that he's dead, he'll be around forever. So that's one yeah. great or at reason. at least as long as uh, Donnie's working on the book, which <laughs> yeah. is not too much longer. <laughs> we'll see what happens when Mark Wade and uh, Jesus Saiz jump on. Yeah. Um, Exiles, number one. It's the fourth pick of the week. And this book hits me right in the heart. I talked about it. We talked about it on Marvel's The Polis, Tucker, how mm-hmm. this book was genetically engineered yeah. to be Agent M's favorite book every time it comes out because it is written by Saladin Ahmed who has written Black Bolt and is a sweetheart of a man and I love him Uh, it is drawn by Javier Rodriguez who as you know is one of my favorite artists who has done the art for our our show cover art art cover show art of the cover show yeah all those the show art Vark who is also (laughs) an amazing colorist and colors one of the pages in this just one but it is an important one that we'll get to it is inked by Alvaro Lopez and colored the rest of the book by the mighty Jordi Belair with lettering by Joe Caramagna all people I adore and it is it is a book called Exiles which is a book that got me back into comics it is a book about reality hopping and sort of the alternate versions of characters and histories and and universes uh, and we see on the cover, it's got a Ms. Marvel, a Valkyrie, uh, a little Wolverine, and an Iron Man. And it's like, this is just yeah. right up my alley. Boom. We rush right into things, and we see the Unseen, who uh, gives you a quick bit of info. It's formerly Nick Fury, who is uh, tasked with watching all these universes uh, because of the events of Original Sin, which you should certainly check out on Marvel Unlimited. But we get to see uh, the Unseen, and he notices that something is going wrong with universes. And uh, maybe it's time for a team to be put together. This also reintroduces the Talus. Talus was a piece of sort of dimension-hopping hardware that Blink or whomever was leading the Exiles back in the day would use to take the team from one place to another. It would sort of give them their mission, help them along the way, and get them moving. Here, it pops back up. It's going to be used again. Now, I talked about one page that Javier colors himself, and it is this beautiful splash page of sort of a pastiche of the Exiles. You've got Blink, different versions of her. You've got Sabretooth. You've got Morph. Uh, you've got, you know, some of her Age of Apocalypse characters. And it's it's just such a, a cool thing. And it, it, there's this one little panel in here that shows uh, some of the characters who had this beautiful love story in Exiles that was just so – it had a, a heroic and tragic, uh, like, finality to it that mm. just – 
every, like I see that panel and it just breaks my heart because I remember those books so, so well. This page in particular brought back so many memories of those exile stories, the fun, the action, the loss. That's the page that Javier colored. Then we go boom right into the rest of the, the, the story and it's you know, Blink's just living life. She's having a good time. She's hanging out with her auntie. We're digging a little bit more into her West Indian aspects of who she is, who like trying to rediscover some of her family, uh, which is a neat thing we never really got to see in any previous story. Uh, so I'm excited to see if, if Saladin and Javier and the team dig more into that. I don't know, but Saladin does such weird and fun and deep character stuff that we're, we're going to get into that a lot. Boom, she's off and running. She grabs the talus. She sees the unseen. She goes to a new reality. She uh, she starts fighting with people. She tries to reason with them. And we meet this like older version of Kamala Khan with a giant gun. And she's protecting a bunch of inhumans. And there's great introduction between the two of them. Uh, Javier does such a great job. There's this couple of panel sequence where Kamala like embiggens her hand and puts it around Blink's head and actually like holds her head and uses the way uh, she feels Blink's like temperature and heartbeat to make sure she's telling the truth, mm. which is just a cool, neat little thing that I never thought about as a way for Kamala to use her powers. Uh, and then, you know, something that we're going to talk about, I'm sure a lot as we get into it is Javier knowing like cool ways to play with a comic book page. Uh, mm. We're looking at right now this page where the panels are falling down as the reality is going away. And so we see this cool bit of business, and that's what Javier is going to do. He's going to give you really interesting layouts, tell you the story in ways you never thought. Sometimes you're going to see like a character pop out just outside of a panel, sort of above the frame and doing all kinds of neat things. Uh, we get to meet another one of our exiles in here who's fighting against, you know, a version of himself. Again, there's a lot of alternate reality and cool stuff in here, but you don't need to know anything about these characters, about this everything is laid out for us right here. It's such a great introduction, and it, it feels to the spirit of Exiles, but very much its own thing. Because the big problem that's destroying these universes gets a little bit of a reveal at the end, or at least I think it's what it is. And it is gnarly. It is so gross and weird and cool and a classic. You know, mm -hmm. just Javier just designing the crap out of stuff yeah. and looking great. Uh, next issue, I believe we will meet Valkyrie. I'm, I'm awesome. looking forward to it. Yeah. Man, this book is good. All right, time for us to get into a little bit of news. First up, I want to let y'all know that Marvel Studios' Black Panther arrives to homes digitally on May 8th and Blu-ray on May 15th. Now, it's available digitally in HD and 4K Ultra HD, as well as Movies Anywhere on May 8th, and then 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray, DVD, and On Demand May 15th. The bonus features include never-before-seen extra feature commentary from director Ryan Coogler, deleted scenes, outtakes, and several making-of featurettes which detail the Black Panther's evolution, the remarkable women of Wakanda, the history of T'Challa's proud nation, and the cosmic origin and technological applications of vibranium. I can't wait. I oh. need it right now. Yeah. On the themed entertainment side, congratulations go to our, our team at uh, Marvel, at Disney Imagineering, and everybody who worked on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which took home the award for Outstanding Achievement in Attraction Reimagining at the annual Thea Awards, which is, I guess, like the Oscars for themed entertainment and people who make big, cool rides and attractions at theme parks. Hmm. Uh, that's a huge deal. Yeah. It's really great. Well-earned. Brian Crosby, Ryan Gallego, and the team, congrats all of y'all. 
As we mentioned, our top of the show for C2E2, we announced Eat the Universe. We also talked a little bit about uh, Marvel's voices and Women of Marvel. Those are flipping every other week. You're going to get a new episode of one of them. This week, it's Women of Marvel. Judy has, you know, she did her great big panel at C2E2. Judy Stevens, along with Rochelle Rosenberg, and many other amazing women were on stage. And that panel is produced in the podcast feed. Next week, you'll get a new episode of Marvel's Voices with Angelique. Nice. Time for the community segment. Uh, Jamie, get ready because we got some tweets. We got some emails in here. A little shout out from our friend Ben Morse asking for a Friendship is Dope t-shirt and saying that the new art is gorgeous. Shouts to Brian Stranko, who has been binging the series from the beginning, Jamie. He has gone from episode one of This Week in Marvel, and he's started going into Women of Marvel, and it's really exciting. Uh, he just said, I just heard the old This Week in Marvel theme for the first time. Packs a punch, a lot of fun. I'll enjoy it while it lasts. If anyone asks, 205 is the first episode it's on. That's great. Uh, a lot of excitement from Dave, DSG, and others about the new art. Jimmy Yurin <laughs> tweeted, uh, who, who did our new theme song, more Marvel goodness in my life. Check it out. Thank you, Jimmy, for plugging the show. Joshua Cooper saying, old woman Laura is the brightest timeline? Why? Three hmm. words, President Kamala Khan. Yes. Agree with that. Rafa B says, raging, yawning, and napping should be Molly's codename in Runaways. No, Molly deserves her own codename or catchphrase because... That is mine. <laughs> I am raging, yawning, and napping. I'm sweating through t-shirts. Ooh. That's mine. Simon Williams says, I never really knew that much about Jarvis, but after Unstoppable Wasp and his talk with Bruce Banner in Avengers 687, I have a better understanding of how important he is to the Avengers. Well said, Simon. Nicola Goodman 1 said uh, she downloaded the podcast just to hear Jimmy Urin's theme song, and that's okay. That's great. Join us for the theme song. Stay for the comics. We always love that. TechLord took some of our suggestions about comics for his daughters, Inara and Majel. Uh, he's going to try to find some of those Franklin Richards stories, pick up the new arcs for Kamala and Champions, uh, and he will let us know if he finds any new favorites. Uh, we got one email in here. I will not read the whole thing. Thank you, Tupper, for writing in. But just so you know, I was not talking about topless Elsa Bloodstone. I was definitely talking about topless Damon Hellstrom because the man never wears a shirt. Bait and switch. You thought you had something. He doesn't need to wear a shirt. He's got all them abs. All them abs. By the way, Tupper, uh, with me here, it's going to be even more crushes on buff guys and stories with cute animals. So I hope you're ready. (laughs) On brand. On brand. Our question of the week for next week is, which member of the Astonishing X-Men team are you most excited to see in the book by Matt Rosenberg and Greg Land? Beast, Havoc, Dazzler, Colossus, or Warpath? Tweet us with This Week in Marvel and let us know. Or reply to the post on Facebook, SoundCloud, or Twitter. That is a wrap for This Week in Marvel. Jamie, you survived your first episode. I did it. Yeah. I did it. This is Marvel. Your universe.